0: This is the CVBT Audio Interview Podcast, where you'll get ideas about improving your bottom line in business and in life from experts around the world.
1: Michael, let's let's set the table for our listeners by having you tell them a little bit about yourself and your company. Thank you. Uh, yes,
0: uh, Michael Colburn. Um, my background is I, when I graduated from um, college, I had, had a degree in industrial engineering. Um, worked as a, an industrial engineer for about three different companies. I got into engineering management. Really enjoyed it. Um, went out on my own, not knowing exactly what I was doing, but I knew I wanted to work for myself. Um, and... Uh, Ended up uh, developing a, uh, a clientele, um, my kind of sweet spot was closely held companies, uh, anywhere from 10 to $100 million, uh, typically run, it was a closely held company, so typically I'm working with the owner manager. Um, I went back to school, I got my uh, master's in industrial engineering and business, and then went on to get my doctorate in adult education. Uh, with business and or communications. Uh, in the last part of my career, I spent the last 10 years teaching in academia. I, w- I was a professor of management at Ashland University. So that's kind of a, a quick overview uh, of um, where I'm coming from. And But spent most of my life uh, uh, consulting with, uh, with businesses. And,
1: and, and you, you have come up with uh, the <clears throat> concept of self-management. Uh, yeah. for employees, and I suppose their bosses, too. What well, do you cover? Right it. Tell us a little bit about, it. first, the basic definition.
0: Yeah, I, I define self-management as the ability and the will to act in the best interest of the organization in such a way that intrinsic motivation replaces any external consequences imposed to reward or punish performance.
1: That's pretty much what it says. Wow, that would uh, get rid of a lot of people making trophies these days and plaques. <laughs> well, it's not that I'm
0: against rewards, but if it, if you need a reward or punishment to drive performance, then there's some there's a problem there. You know, I never want the uh, I never want to have anyone outside of me affect my performance. So. Uh, I'm all for rewards, but I don't see them as driver's
1: performance as much as a reward for performance. Now, isn't this something that would perhaps have to be instilled in an individual back when they were a toddler and kind of reinforced as they came up through school, et cetera? You know, that's a good
0: question. Uh, I, I can only really look at my own experience. Um, uh, I, I think uh, I found myself fairly early a really high need for autonomy. Uh, and I think uh, I, I, there are some individual characteristics that relate to to performance. I actually did some research on it, not not back as far as his childhood, but I found that people who had a very strong uh, need for um, um, uh, having a, a meaningful uh, job and they really get their jollies out of what the work they do. If you just see your job as something that you had to do to make a living, Probably not quite as a, uh, a candidate for self-management. But also, Doug, I found there are certain things about the job that makes it more open for self-management than others. And I did some research on this. I found if a person had a job that was high in what you call task significance, which basically means I'm doing a job that really counts it's having an impact on others. Uh, it should have a, at least a moderate level of discretion, because, so if you have a job where it's so routine that you can't make decisions, what I would teach people would be very frustrating. And then th- there needs to be at least a way to get feedback and performance in a natural way. And when those three characteristics, along with the internal growth need, that's the sweet spot in terms of the people who seem to do really well with the tools. So I'm not suggesting that everyone is, is in the, in the situation where they maybe can use these tools.
1: Uh, This, however, would be something that uh, a manager would have to be alert for so that they could uh, nurture those who are able to do it.
0: Absolutely. And matter of fact, if I go into an organization and they really are interested in self-management, I, one of the things I do is I, I, I provide them an instrument that I did my research on. I didn't develop the instrument, but it's called a job diagnostic survey and all those four things that, that I'd mentioned before, the job of uh, task significance, autonomy, and feedback, as well as internal growth need, if those are in a certain range, I'll say, boy, these are the people that look like they're quite good candidates. If it's it's not, then we might have to talk about other methods. For example, we might have to talk about job design, or maybe some more basic training for those people. Um, And also, I always suggest, not only suggest, I almost demand, that anybody who gets involved with self-management tools that I teach, uh, they have to do it voluntarily. Never send anyone to a class on (laughs) self-management, you know, because in that way there, if if they don't, they really have to apply to come to the class, not be sent to the class.
1: Ever have anybody uh, essentially uh, flunk out? And if so, why?
0: Um, That's a good question. Um, I I would say later in my career, uh, not so much. I, I find that I... Uh, I do a introduction workshop uh, before they even get in the program. And if anything else, I say, here's what it's going to take to really go through this. And if uh, so, I I would tend to scare them out. That might be a strong word uh, at at the beginning point. But I find normally once they make that commitment to get in there, uh, we've had pretty good success. I I haven't had anyone drop out uh, once once we get rolling.
1: Michael, there's been a lot of talk in recent years of what the job is going to look like in the future as the 21st century rolls on and we have more artificial intelligence and bots and what have you doing routine stuff. It would seem from your description that uh, self-management is going to be the savior for a lot of folks who like to work.
0: Uh, Absolutely. You know, one of the things I say in in my book, I'll say, you know, work really ought to be fun. You know, uh, I worked uh, in all my work career. I, ha- I can't tell you I've had a really bad day at work. I've had a bad hour or two, but, if, but I really enjoyed what I did. And I find people who really enjoy their work um, uh, are, really have a desire for more self-management. And, and if they don't, then one of the things, some of the tools can actually help people to uh, even change their job a little bit to, to work for their sweet spot. So if you're doing something that, that placed your strengths, uh, then that's something you're gonna, going to enjoy.
1: And again, it goes back to uh, good management of uh, being able to identify and provide those opportunities.
0: Absolutely. Matter of fact, I think one of the important roles of a good manager, and now we're talking about the more formal leader in the organization, uh, is the ability to select good people. Uh, And the second thing is the ability to help uh, develop good processes in there so people can perform. So I I think one of the things about the self-management, when when people who are self-managed, and I think we talked about this once before, uh, is it does change in a very positive way the role of their, their boss. Because their boss really needs to spend time on choosing good people, uh, improving processes, developing relationships with customers, and doing things that are much more strategic than just the day-to-day uh, managing somebody.
1: If if everybody is doing self-management to their uh, to their peak performance, what's that do to teamwork? Actually, I think
0: uh, it does a, a really good thing for teamwork because actually. This is not a solitary uh, process. So when I teach people the tools of self-management, uh, the first thing to do is identify those people who are, their, who are their key relationships within the organizations. That can be level up, that can be a level down, it could be sideways. And then interviewing them and finding out what their expectations are for them in their particular position. So in that way there, what I found is it really helps develop uh, a team relationship uh, uh, across the organization much more than the other way so it's just not this solitary i you know i'm doing my own thing
1: now you put this into a new book with an interesting title would you tell our listeners about that
0: yes the title of the book is own your job and the subtitle is five tools for self-management uh, in the workplace
1: what's been the reaction to that uh, since it's been out for a little bit
0: well it's it's a uh, uh, I've taught a class on this quite a bit and I, I find people really, um, relate to it. Uh, it it's, it, and what they don't always understand is they don't have to, and I say this in the book, you don't have to wait for, for permission to use any of the tools I, I teach. You can just do it, you know? And, and I think at that point there, I think when they start experiencing this, matter of fact, I just had a, a workshop session with a, with a client, uh, uh, two days ago and and they just finished their interviews with our key relationships and it was a powerful experience for them they're almost surprised how well people talk to them and how important the teamwork across the organization is important just not within your own work team
1: when when uh, somebody calls up and your phone rings and you answer it what type of uh, uh, shape is their particular situation in is there a- Pretty much a theme that you you have seen over the years.
0: You mean the organization, I mean, right? Was,
1: In terms of why are they calling you?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. What I'm finding is that um, when I've worked with closely held companies, which is you know, uh, I find that the the entrepreneur who starts the company hits kind of a, a a spot where they they find out they don't have the capacity. You know, I was working with this one CEO. He would get in every morning at five o'clock or six o'clock and leave late. And I, I remember telling him, you know, when I said, Dan says, if you want to grow this company, uh, we have to build a capacity beyond you because you've just taken as far as you can take it. So it's really about building capacity for the organization to grow. So typically when they bring me in or they, they're interested in what I'm doing. They've kind of hit that, that wall where they've been fairly successful. They've been pretty successful in what they've done, but they are finding a very difficulty in growing beyond that. And, and I'm finding that leadership is not a position, it's so much as an attitude uh, that a person has. We really want to build an entrepreneur spirit within the organization. So I, So they don't bring me in to do turnarounds. I've done some of those, but they turn me into, how do I grow this company beyond where we are?
1: Now tell our listeners where they can get more information about you and, of course, the book.
0: Well, they, um, I have a website www michael colburn phd all small caps dot com, and in that one they can get information about the book. I the book is on um, uh, uh, Amazon, but they can if they are go into my website they can go right into that. But also in the book, they'll get in the uh, website, they'll see one chapter of the book. You'll see the table of contents. And then I have a number of um, uh, blogs that I've written uh, around that whole area. And I also have a few tools on my uh, uh, webpage that they can use to start using some of the tools.
1: My, Michael, you've been very generous with your time and ideas. But what would you like to talk about that I just haven't been bright enough to ask you?
0: Well, uh, you've had some really good questions. Um, Well, one thing, maybe just a brief review of the five tools. Uh, Absolutely. um, And these have developed over the years for me. Um, The first tool is called, I call the performance agreement. And a performance agreement is different than a job description. A job description is used to kind of find the right people, and that's important to do. But a performance agreement is an agreement that the the job holder develops with their organization uh, about uh, what their commitments are, uh, what their mission is, how they relate to the total organization. And to do that, I have them do two primary things. Number one, do a self-assessment of their own skills and strengths uh, because this is a strength-based approach. The second thing I have them do is go out and interview their key relationships, one of which is their boss but not the only one, you know. And, and through that, I teach them how to put together basically an agreement, which is very similar to what I do in developing strategies for organization. They have their own scorecard. They have their own, have their own performance met, uh, metrics. Uh, and so I'm really getting them in the position to uh, to make clear commitments to their organization. So that's the first one. It's kind of the granddaddy of all the tools. The second uh, a tool is the uh, a tool of a of goal achievement model. I find people are much better at setting goals than they are achieving goals. And so I've used some of the uh, information from Robert Fritz, who wrote a book called The Path of Least Resistance for Managers. And, and it's kind of an interesting title, but basically what he said is, how do we actually achieve our goals? And instead of starting with a problem, like here's a problem I'm having, we are gonna start with a vision of what what are you really trying to achieve? and then go back to where you are now. And I find that I work people through that process. And it's a, it's a very simple process, but it's, it's one I don't find people use a lot. And I think it's a reason why they don't get their goals be, uh, achieved. The third one is uh, called a priority feedback system. And this is one where I teach people to be proactive in their communication with a boss. And what I mean by that is, the priority feedback system is a series of meetings Typically, either once a week up to maybe once a month in which the job holder comes in to their boss and saying, here's what I said I was going to do in the last two weeks. Here's what I did. Here's my plans. Here's some issues I had. So they're reporting on their commitments on a regular basis. What I find about it when I teach this, I, also, I always invite the boss to the teaching session. And what happens is, is, that it, is the boss typically loves it because it is the person who's taking the, uh, uh, the the step to report on their own progress, and not waiting for the boss to hunt them down. And the boss only, and the person prepares the agenda, they prepare the notes, and basically they're managing that communication with the boss. And it's a very strong thing, and I find uh, uh, the boss typically really likes it because they don't have to hunt their people down. Then I have a, a tool called Individual Learning Plan, When I got my doctorate in adult education, I found that 90% of learning happens in an informal setting, not a formal setting. And so basically I teach people how to develop their own learning plan and accept what the organization gives them, but you don't have to wait for the organization to put together workshops for you. You can do it on your own. And then the last part, last tool is called the performance portfolio. Uh, A performance portfolio is a, is basically an annual, uh, uh, review they have of their performance that replaces the traditional performance appraisal. So it's my job. If I'm working for you, Doug, it's my job. I've made commitments in my performance agreement. It's my job to prepare a report to say how well I did, where I fell short, where do I have to go to, to make improvements? And, and what would happen is if you were the, uh, the the manager, most managers hate to do performance appraisals, you know, and uh, here we put the performance appraisal process in a job holder hands. So I, uh, so at the end of the course or the end of, of the series of workshops, the performance portfolio is really kind of the final exam. You know, it's, it, this is my demonstration that I've done what I said. That's the five.
1: And that last one is enough to uh, convince anybody to sign you up. I can't tell you how many managers I I know and have known over the years who hate that ritual of the annual review, It's one having to give it. To, oh boy.
0: it's one of the biggest wastes of time in organizations. You've been listening to the CVBT Audio Interview Podcast, one-on-one interviews with experts in business and personal growth. Keep up to date with all of our podcasts and news that impacts business by subscribing to our daily email newsletter. To sign up for a free introductory subscription, please send us your preferred email address. Our email is editor at biznews.com. That's spelled B-I-Z-G-N-U-S dot com. Thanks for listening.